Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners across America and around the world. My first guest is Jason Parson. He is the president and CEO of Parson Associates, a veteran-owned minority public relations firm that holds multiple certifications. Jason is an Iraqi Freedom veteran, and the Ford Motor Company recognized him as a Ford Freedom unsung hero for his work supporting veterans. Jason has led regional, national initiatives related to green-collar jobs, youth development of jobs and life skills, and education, energy, and water quality. Also joining Jason on the call today is Alex Miller, who is communications coordinator at Parson and Associates as well. So from Kansas City, Missouri, let me welcome both Jason and Alex to the program. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, thank you. Yeah, everything's great. Thanks for having us on today. Absolutely. Well, Jason, let's start with you. Give us an overview of um, what it took for you to make the transition from the military to a public relations executive. So uh, my journey, and I'll be brief, he talked about the military. I joined the military right out of high school, uh, 17 years old, and uh, for me, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. At the time, I needed some direction and certainly could use some money to help pay for college, and the military provided both. Uh, but fast forward to how I started the company and, and what that journey was like. On uh, February 10, 2003, about 3.30 p.m., got a call. It was time to go to war. <clears throat> and so we were part of the invasion in Iraq. And while there, you know, I had a chance to really think through as far as what are my next steps if I, you know, so fortunate to make it home. And the thing I realized is I wanted to do more. Uh, I, at the time, was employed by the city of Kansas City, Missouri. Enjoyed my job, but felt like I want to have the impact on our on my community that, that we're having in the country of Iraq when we went from war to occupying the country and when we, when we were helped rebuilding the country. And I sort of wanted to do the same thing in my community is to help rebuild it. So upon returning home, I resigned from my job at the city of Kansas City, Missouri, and started a journey trying to figure out what does that look like. Uh, long story short, I started working part-time in the public relations industry, and uh, eventually I had an opportunity to branch out on my own, and I, I did, and, and I think if I hadn't gone to war, I'm not sure I would have because that certainly allowed me to put things in perspective, and it, it gave me the courage to realize, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen as you branch out that you're not successful? And, you know, when you start to understand life and death, then it, it makes making those kind of decisions a lot easier. Okay. Well, let me just quickly ask uh, Alex, uh, how did you and uh, Jason come together? So uh, I started with the firm actually as their first at Parson Associates first ever intern in the summer of 2014. One of the projects we were working on uh, was the construction of the downtown 
Kansas City, Missouri streetcar. So it was just one of those things where um, they needed help with um, they just needed some help uh, with all the work they were doing for the construction of the streetcar. Um, so they, I became an intern. I worked for them throughout the summer. I went back to uh, college for my last semester, and I graduated in the fall, or I'm sorry, uh, of the winter of of 2014. And then um, I got a call from Jason that winter, and he said, hey, you want to just come back on and work full time? And uh, the rest is history. So, so I've been with the firm now for... Jeez, I always laugh because I say I'm getting older. So I've been at the firm now about six years. <laughs> that's uh, that that's good to hear. But uh, Jason, let me get back to you now. Just talk about your journey of building the firm. I mean, how you went about getting your first contract and how you built on it from that point forward. So it's very interesting you talk about first contract because when I started Parson and Associates, I started basically with a safety net. Uh, meaning that you know one of the local PR firms encouraged me to branch out, and uh, the owner of the firm, she had so much work that she said, I will uh, sub some work out to you, and then eventually you'll be able to get on your feet and, and, and uh, grow your own business. Well, ironically, shortly after I started the company, she lost – uh, most of her major contracts. And so that safety net was then gone. And at that point, it was a matter of doing whatever it took to try to um, build the business, which there are some very trying times. You know, I think oftentimes we see businesses and if, if, if there's a semblance of success, we tend to think it's always been that way. And most businesses have had to endure trying times through and through in order to reach whatever, however we want to define success. But it didn't, it's never happened overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been a journey. You know, it's interesting in terms of starting a company because I uh, came to Nashville as a vice president uh, at uh, Fisk University here. Uh, all of a sudden, that job disappeared because when the president resigned, all of their other folks were going to be replaced by the incoming uh, uh, group. So there I was deciding whether I would stay uh, here in Nashville or move back to Washington, D.C. I decided I liked uh, Nashville, and uh, other folks, uh, because my background also suggested that I um, start a PR firm. But one of the things I didn't want to do was just to start it because I realized if I needed, if I wanted to get some business, I had to make a big splash some sort of way. To make a long story short, I want my very first major contract I got was with the Nashville Ballet. And that said a lot about who I was and what I was capable of doing. Now, the tricky part there was there was no money involved because the ballet had it all, spent it all on advertising. So my compensation, I, I negotiated basically a handful of uh, season tickets because the executive director said, we don't have any money, so you, but we never sell out. We got plenty of season tickets. Yeah, but come enjoy your show. You're going to come on an empty stomach, but nonetheless, it, it'd be a great show. But the bottom line, but the, the reason that I wanted that, that uh, contract was because of the name. 
And as soon as I got that deal, because basically all I had, what I was doing was uh, uh, because they had a community outreach program talking to senior citizens' homes or whoever wanted to maybe come see the ballet rehearse or take the rehearsal to them. But that allowed me to put it in the newspaper that this brand new company has secured a contract with the Nashville Ballet. That really started the ball rolling for me. So, you know, I had to use those kinds of things to to help launch the company without it just being a single line in the, somewhere buried in the newspaper. Well, it's interesting you say that because my journey, company's journey is similar. There was a time when I uh, was running some uh, local races, and one race in particular, it was previous mayor's race, and there was n- no money involved. I was making at one point, I think, 500 bucks a month, and... So, like you, I mean, there was really not much compensation at all. And I didn't necessarily do it for the name ID. In this particular case, I had so much respect for the candidate that, you know, I I felt he, you know, would have made for a a great mayor. And so I I did it, and, uh, and, and he didn't win. And it's funny because how things work out sometimes. Uh, I think ultimately that too was a blessing, certainly not at the time, because when we lost, I had really no business on the books. And so that that was another challenging time as it relates to, to trying to keep the doors open of the firm. But by him losing really turned out to be a blessing because in the end it opened up many more doors that I'm not sure would have been opened if he had a one. I certainly would have had plenty of opportunities if he had had a one and wonderful experiences. So let me be clear about that. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's something to be said and, and losing. I, uh, and I'll be real brief, but about a month ago I was asked to give a keynote speech at a graduation and uh, the highlight of the speech was in Kansas City in the last five years, we've had a World Series champion and a Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. And I said, though, to me, the most telling years were not in 2015 and 2020. I think the years that were just as important, if not more, were in 2014 and 2019. And the reason why I say that is this. So in 2014, the Kansas City Royals were in the World Series, and we had a runner, Alex Gordon. He was the tying run on third base, and we made an out. And so with that uh, last out with Alex Gordon on third base, we, we lost the World Series. Well, in 2019, with the Chiefs, we had a uh, guy, D4, jump off. He was lined up offside, which nullified an interception, which then meant we lost the game to New England, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And in the speech I was saying is we always forget about those trying times when we are tested the most. And we remember the crowning achievements, the Super Bowl and the World Series. But in life, if you don't have the adversity of, of having someone lined up offsides and having someone uh, being stranded at third base, when the time comes to celebrate the success, 
I, I'm not sure if if we truly embrace the success without with building up and, and going through those trying times. Like one of my favorite quotes is experience is not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to mm-hmm. you. And that's the way I look at life. Like all throughout our challenges as a firm, as we've grown, I, I can look at the times where we've had success and say, would that success have happened if not, we hadn't had those trying times. You know, uh, we've both had some background in politics and, and uh, again, I, I used that to help, open some doors for me in uh, keeping everything above board because here, our city council, uh, all of their press releases are written by one person down there in the, somewhere around the mayor's office. And you've got whatever it is, 20-some-odd people trying to get their press releases out. So I talked to several of them. I said, well, fine, I'll make a deal with you. I will do your press releases for you for free. That way you'll get them out <laughs> faster, so forth and so on. Right. However... What I'll ask, I'm going to ask you to do for me is that if when I need to get to see somebody, particularly in the city government, if you will make that introduction for me, just open the door. That's all it's required, and I'll stand or fall on my own. But if I just call and ask for an appointment, I know what I'm going to hear. Will they know what this is about? Well, no, they won't because they don't know who right. I am. But I know hearing from a city council person, at least they will let me in the door. And I used that several times, several times, and some of them I just didn't get at all, but a couple of contracts I wound up getting because once I had the appointment, could make the presentation, they said, hey, well, this guy seems like he can do what he knows how to do, what he says he can do, and that worked for me. So I always look for avenues to use or to help somebody accomplish what they need to accomplish, and in the process, perhaps I can, uh, can get something out of that as well. So true. So, so Alex, let's let's talk to you a bit now in terms of uh, not only are you the communications coordinator, but what else do you do at the firm, and how have you helped propel Carson's to the level that they've reached thus far? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny, right? What, what you both were just talking about is, and it's something that Jason speaks a lot about, and it's something we talk to our clients a lot about. It's it's uh, it really is all about relationships, right? And so that's the value when we do. We call it public involvement or public engagement is, you know, a lot of PR agencies are doing all the social media and things like that. And obviously, we do a lot of that, too. Right. But um, being a small company. So um, just, you know, about five years ago, I was just in an office. It was me, Gina, who works at our office and Jason and all three of us were just and we had two other folks working off site um, with a different client. But then, you know, there's just really three of us in that office every day. And it's really hard to market yourself when you're small and when you're kind of playing the face of so many different projects, right? So for example, when we were doing the construction for the downtown streetcar, even a lot of the work we're doing, uh, helping out the Kansas City Water Department on some different projects, a lot of times we're acting as an arm to their already established marketing departments, right? Where we're acting almost as like that, um, we're just helping them add capacity so it's hard for us to be like, hey, you know, we're at this. It's hard to write a social media post when we're trying to say like, hey, you know, as part of, of this contractor, we are helping them put on this public meeting. But this is like our work that you're seeing on the boards or on these maps. And um, so that was always kind of hard for us um, as a small company is to market ourselves and talk about that work that we're doing. So what I've kind of helped 
do the last couple of years is obviously with social media for a while, I was always our token millennial. So anytime we needed to do something on Twitter or Facebook, I was always kind of doing that. But now, um, as we've brought in some other folks, as we've continued to grow, it's funny, I always say that I don't really understand Instagram anymore or Snapchat or TikTok or all these new things. But the younger people that we've hired now, they do a great job of taking those ideas we had years ago, but never really had the time to implement. And Mm -hmm. now they're really implementing, coming up with creative ideas on their own and things like that. So now as I've continued to be able to grow, and that's what's been great for me as a young professional is is working at such a small company that I kind of have to get the opportunity now to grow with the company. So the the company continues to grow. I continue to grow. We continue to bring on new staff. Uh, which gives me some leadership training uh, and everything we do since we are so small. If you're not carrying your weight, everyone knows, you know, immediately. And so I love the environment we're in. We're such a great team, and that speaks from the top down, right? Jason's not afraid to stay late one night and vacuum the office before he leaves. It's not one of those things where he says, see you guys later at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to go play golf. You guys finish up. You know, that's, like, never happened. So it's, so that work ethic, that getting the job done and getting done right really comes from the top. So that's something that I've had the opportunity to learn from and grow from and something that I try to instill in the new staff that we bring on. You know, it sounds like your company and the, and the one that I have, we walked a similar path in terms of our growth, uh, growth and development. And I've always looked for a place of where's a platform that I can get on that I can offer advice to uh, to people. Uh, and the other thing is also which platform to get on, because as I hear you talk about social media, mm-hmm. I also don't forget that a lot of the decision makers are those people who are still reading the uh, opinion columns and op-ed pieces in the newspaper. So I want to make sure that I don't take my eye off of, of that particular ball to also reach them as well. Yeah. And what we always say is we want to be intentional with our engagement and our outreach um, so, for example, we might be hosting a public meeting about a water main replacement in a neighborhood in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And so for that public meeting, right, like, of course, we're going to use Facebook and Nextdoor and Twitter and help draft those posts and take pictures or whatever we need to do to talk about that public meeting digitally. But in addition to that, it's it's just a tool in the toolbox, right? And I always say, how many times are you scrolling through Facebook or you know, whatever social media, you see an ad, you actually click on that ad, you go to the ads website, you put the thing in your shopping cart and you buy it just because you saw the Facebook ad. Mm -hmm. It normally takes months and months of seeing that, of hearing your friends talk about it, hearing your neighbors talk about it. It helps. It helps when you see it on your Facebook ad screen, you know, but it's never, it's uh, rarely, I feel like, is it the only time you've ever heard about something is on that one Facebook ad and that's why you bought it, right? So it's the same way when we do these public meetings. It's more for us, it's more than just posting about it on Facebook and Twitter and then when only 10 people show up saying, well, like, oh, we can't believe no one else came. When for us, we really, each neighborhood gets a specific target, right? It's we know that this person's in charge of that neighborhood association and that they're really close with councilman X, Y, or Z or councilwoman, whoever, and that, you know, or this council person sends out a monthly email blast. We need to make sure that if we're going to have this public meeting, that we push it out to a date that's far enough in advance that we can get it into their monthly 
email newsletter mm-hmm. or you know maybe we're going to go print off just in the digital age we still to this day will print out eight and a half by 11 flyers on our copier here at the office and then go take them to community centers and put them down um because like you said right it's everyone's still getting their information differently and for us it's how many touches can we get how many times can we get it out there and you know it's one thing just to post a tweet about a meeting or something like that but it's another thing to post the tweet and then actually go into that community that you're trying to serve and be intentional with who you're serving and making sure that you're hitting everyone in that neighborhood so jason getting back to you uh just in terms of uh, your getting contracts in kansas city do most of your contracts come by by way of uh, local or state government uh, or the private industry or a combination thereof well it's uh primarily it is local municipality but what what I've been trying to do is to diversify our work portfolio. I, I remember going to a, a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, this guy stands up and says, you don't want to have an, an, an ape for a, uh, a contract. You know, I'm thinking, well, where, where, is he? where is he going with all this? So you don't also want to have a bunch of little monkeys. And what what he was talking about, as far as the uh, as far as an ape is concerned, is just the one big large contract that is profitable. But if you lose it, you could go out of business. Mm-hmm. And then he mentioned the, the little monkeys, and he was talking about little contracts that are not necessarily profitable, but they take up all your time. He said, what you really want are some orangutan type contracts. You know, not as Big as a ape, a gorilla, but but a, a medium size. And I thought about that for years. And and what I've tried to do is to, whether it's a local municipality or in the private sector, is to really try to balance it out. Because, like for example, now in this economy, if you are so invested in one and things are shutting down, then that could cause some real dire, a real dire situation as it relates to your business. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's we've been doing a much better job of reaching out to the private sector uh, to diversify our work portfolio. And at one point, we were even working out of state, and that's something else. In 2020, uh, I had wanted to do was to explore opportunities outside of Kansas City. Uh, now, obviously, with things the way they are, th- that's put on hold. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, in order for us to continue to grow, and, and I think the other, the other part of that is there's healthy growth. I think oftentimes people want to grow, 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 grow. Well, that's fine, but be careful that, that you don't grow yourself out of business. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that you know, I really wanted to be protective of. Alex talked about being here since he was an intern. Uh, well, the one thing I've always believed in is investing in people and not things. Mm-hmm. You know, and if if I can help Alex grow and, and learn, um, help him become not only a, a better employee, but along the way hopefully a better person, then, then that's great. Uh, and, and so that's been my focus is, is not only Alex, 
but the entire team is how do we invest in people and do it in a way uh, you, you certainly want to have a return on your investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, because you're 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 a firm, but but ultimately, if you have good people doing great work, clients are, are happy, and then you know it, the job becomes how do you have such a diverse pool of work that that you again you can have smart, sustainable growth. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've tried to do here is when there's an opportunity to create something, something that's new, that has not been done before. Uh, and I think one of the first times, one of the first things we did, this was back in 2010 when the 2010 census was coming out. And uh, I, I recognized that the Hispanic uh, population here in uh, Nashville was, was growing at the state of Tennessee. It was growing. And at the time, I was on the board of directors for the Tennessee Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I said, hey, look, I've got an idea. With the uh, census coming out, and we know this, uh, the, the Hispanic population is growing, why don't we make a presentation to business leaders as to how to develop programs to attract the Hisp- Hispanic population to their particular establishments? Well, the uh, the president liked the idea. Uh, to make a long story short, the other thing I also knew about is perception. How do we make sure that when people see this, they can say, that, hey, this is a quality program? To make a long story short, right. the guy who was, uh, we found the guy who was going to be a presenter. We tracked him down. He was from the Pew Hispanic Research outfit up in Washington, D.C., and they're unquestioned uh, about the quality of work they do. It just so happened as the associate director, he was a Hispanic. Wow, look at, look at this thing. Now, where do we have it? We were fortunate enough that one of the, the, the folks uh, uh, on the project um, was close to one of the universities. So now, all of a sudden, we're going to have what we, what we wind up calling the uh, first ever Tennessee Hispanic Census Summit. We mm-hmm. had it at a local university. I was fortunate enough to get the mayor to come to be a, 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 an opening speaker. Well, rather than just a business, we also added on education and health. We, so we had three different panels. So to, to also push this, uh, as I had the, uh, the guy who at the time was the editorial writer for the newspaper to do an interview with the director of the Pew Hispanic Research Center for his newspaper about this census coming. Wow. Now all of a sudden we, got a, we have a major project, the first time this has ever been done. We, had, we sold out on this thing. We charged folks, I don't know, maybe $35 to come, wind up getting national publicity off of this thing. So... It's those kinds of things in terms of, you know, here is something that uh, has not been done before. We did it, and uh, we still continue to raise that as a a flag to say, look what we can do to help you because we listen to you and we think and we help you succeed at what it is you want to do. It's outstanding. And, um, you know, as a business owner, you have to continue to uh, look for those type of opportunities and you know, that is, that's amazing. Great job on that. Well, let me, let me just ask you, uh, you know, as we maybe begin to close down, what are some of the things that you would like to see happen to Parson and Associates as you go down the road? We would like to venture into federal work. Uh, we've done some, but, but not to the degree in which I think we're able to. So th- th- that's an area where we need to shift our focus and really figure out what is that space that we can work in on the federal level that we could be added value. And so we're we're trying to figure that out, as well as continuing to look at 
opportunities in similar to smaller size cities, mm-hmm. um, uh, Omaha or Louisville, cities, cities of that size where we could uh, work with local communities and work with firms that we work with here in Kansas City that in, in, in most cases they do uh, work in other cities and, and work with them on projects in other cities. And that's what we did. Uh, this past year, one of the firms that we worked with here in Kansas City asked that we join them on a project out of town. And so we were able to, in essence, uh, open up a small shop and do some work out of town. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think it revisiting uh, those relationships and, and letting them know that that's something you would like to explore. Because the one thing that I found is this, is that People are willing and wanting to help you, mm-hmm. but you have to communicate that. And that's the one thing that, you know, we moved into a new office last year. It was a, it was a busy year. So now that things have, have settled down as far as just a lot of moving parts, we're able now to refocus on accomplishing some of those things that we set forth to accomplish, accomplish in the past. So I just want to continue to have smart, sustainable growth continue to hire uh, a great staff, and I think that's just as important as anything else and allow people to grow and do their job and and, uh, let them know that, you know, they have the space and the opportunities to to do that and Mm -hmm. and that for me as the owner of the company that I'm supportive of them. And lastly, I'll tell you this, as a small firm, one of the other keys is when there are opportunities to grow, to always try to first do it internally. You know, that that's that's the key to and when you have competent and motivated staff, that's easy to do. So we look forward to continued success, uh, not only in twenty twenty, but hopefully for many years and one day, like I told you in you know, a few weeks ago, I would love to Alex and I we could come down to to Tennessee and, 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 and love to break bread with you. Well, uh, I certainly, uh, like, well, let's say this, we, we'll make that happen. There's, there's no question about that. Let me also add uh, to something you said in terms of uh, looking down the road, because I too want to do uh, federal, uh, some federal work, because one of the things I've noticed about that is it, it, it's longer. Uh, once you get a contract, you could wind up having it for years. So that adds to a sense of security. As uh, and I've seen a lot of companies go uh, do do very very well simply on nothing but federal contracts. So that's a goal that that uh, we do share. And uh, so we'll talk offline about uh, you know getting together. And uh, let me right now as we sort of wrap this up, thank both you and Alex, uh, and and of course for Alex for reaching out here to uh, to have joined us on the uh, Public Relations Review podcast. And uh, hope we'll have a we'll have a chance to uh, not only meet each other, but uh, maybe have another interview with you in the near future. Certainly, look forward to it. Uh, take care and be safe. Okay. Well, yes. Thank you so much for your time and everything today. We appreciate it. Well, also, and also, let your friends and neighbors know that uh, you uh, were on the program, and uh, as I've mentioned to you before, you will be getting a copy of the show. Okay, so thank you, thank you again, and uh, you know I want to thank all of our listeners for uh, listening, and uh, be sure to let your friends know that they too should listen to the Public Relations Review Podcast. 
This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Thank mm-hmm. you.